sports are really important vehicles for relationships. We have purpose. We have a why. We bring people together. We connect. I feel like God is our greatest supporter and our greatest coach. Welcome to Rabbi on the Sidelines. I'm Rabbi Erez Sherman from Sinai Temple in Los Angeles. This week, we are joined by a basketball legend, both in the sports world and in the Jewish world. 1981 through 1983, Jewish All-American at Holy Cross. Now the present coach of the Women's USA Maccabi team, which will be competing in Israel this summer. A member of the New England Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, production with Jen W., which we'll hear more about. We are thrilled to be joined with Coach Sherry Levin. <laughs> Coach, it's so good to have you, and uh, welcome to Los Angeles. Well, thank you. From uh, from a cool and windy Massachusetts, yes. You got it from a uh, sunny and warm Los Angeles. It's there good to go. connect. <laughs> I'm uh, so thrilled to have you on the show, uh, both with the idea of sports and faith. And it's because I read an article just a couple of weeks ago that uh, really brought, I think, a lot of joy to the Jewish world. And that story was about a mezuzah. So let's start about the story of a mezuzah at a Jesuit college of Holy Cross. Let's start there and then we'll work backwards. What was that about? How how long do we have for the podcast? Absolutely. We're here all day. (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you uh, for inviting me. Uh, This is terrific. I was just listening to your your tease. You have some really wonderful, talented people on. So I am thrilled to be part of of that circle. So thank Thank you you for that. Um, so the story, I'll give it in a, as nutshell as, as I can. Um, I did attend Holy Cross. I attended Holy Cross back in uh, 1980. Uh, in those days, recruiting was very different than it is now. And I had not determined where I was going to go to school. Uh, it was March. We were in the state semifinals. Um, very competitive. I wanted to stay close to home. So I look, was looking at some Ivy Leagues as well as Boston College and Boston University, who are great schools near my home. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, my dad had heard in the stands that Togo Palazzi was named to the head coach of women's basketball at Holy Cross. I had seen Togo when I was a sophomore at a basketball camp during the summer um, and was sitting in the front row. I was that kid, eyes wide open, just soaking up all the information. And Togo was an absolute inspiration. He was someone who had fired his belly. And I remember getting home saying, oh my God, I would love to be able to play for a coach like that. Mm-hmm. So fast forward now to when I'm a senior and I hadn't made a decision, which was in April. And we, you know, when I got home, my dad told me about Togo. We said, you know what? Maybe we should look at Holy Cross. The part of the story that Togo and myself haven't quite figured out yet was who contacted who? Did mm-hmm. I reach out to Togo? Uh, you know, on the phone, old school, or did he reach out to me? However, it worked out. I went uh, one day and, you know, Togo took me around the campus. He rolled out the red carpet. He had me meet the other Jewish person on campus. Um, He had me meet Ronnie Perry Jr., showed me the facilities. And I sat in his office and he said, we would love you to be here. And I I don't know where this came, my negotiating skills, where they came from, but he said, you know, we would love you here. And I said, well, if you can match the offers that I have at the other school, full athletic scholarship, then you know what? I feel, I just felt it in my heart and my gut that this would be a place for me. And he said, you know, I will have to reach out to our athletic director because at the time, Holy Cross was going to Division One, oh, wow. um, thinking of going into the Big East Conference at the time, which did not happen, but that was the word on the street is what, was, what we were going to do. 
And so my mom and I left. He brought us into the gym, which is, you know, beautiful facility. And we waited and Togo came in and he big smile on his face. And he said, you got it. And he shook my hand and he said, you'll be the first woman to receive a full athletic scholarship. at Holy. Wow. So now I fast forward to the mezuzah story. So I digressed a little bit. Sorry about well, that. Actually, just one second about that, because that's fascinating. Number one, you're the first woman to receive a full athletic scholarship. Yeah. Well, what about the faith aspect? It's Holy Cross and you yes. grew up in the Jewish community. Was that even a question that you were going to attend there um, or was it, you know, basketball first and we'll drag the faith along? Well, interesting. So I had, you know, and, and again, back in those days, no cell phones, you know, you use the pay phones. My dad didn't even know that I had verbally said yes to Holy Cross mm. until we drove about, you know, 20 miles on the highway to the rest stop to the first pay phone that we could find. So the, the, <clears throat> I don't want to say it was an impulse, but it was a gut. It was mm-hmm. really a gut feeling. The next question, and, and that's a good question to ask is, um, I did go to my rabbi, mm. uh, Rabbi Rothman, who is, you know, near and dear he was the epitome of a rabbi you know he, I, as a kid you thought he looked like Moses because he had the big you know the white beard and he was just um one of the most uh, authentic and wonderful people uh there was and so I went to him and he met with me and I told him I said you know I got this full scholarship at, at Holy Cross and um you know I walked around campus and it, it wasn't pervasive like it wasn't in my like there are crosses on buildings and and such you know why not it's a jesuit institution and but i didn't feel it didn't feel the weight of of mm-hmm. that when i was there and i said to him you know what do you think you know i you know i was bought mitzvah i was confirmed i you know uh judaism was very important in my life and um he said which resonated with me and i still remember to this day he said you know sherry if you are in a room with a million people and you are Jewish in your heart, you will always be Jewish in your heart. And so I took that as, you know what, I can be who I want to be. And um, thankfully, and it's not always the case for everybody, but thankfully, Holy Cross experience for me was met with curiosity. Um, I do remember at Hanukkah, I would have my menorah with candles lit in the in the room, which I'm not sure to this day if that was like how I got away with that. But um, with my menorah on the windowsill and kids would come in and say, you know, what's that? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I did go to to services when when it was needed. And I was I welcomed, you know, the the other view. And I, I welcomed being a part of the community. And I had the Jewish community of Worcester at like every wow. one of my games. I can't tell you how many breakfast brunches brotherhood, sisterhood events that I had spoken at. Um, but I felt the love and the support from not only people in the Holy Cross community, the fathers would come to all the games and I, I you know, very close relationship with, with all the administrators, the president of the school. So it was me being me. Um, and I just happened to be Jewish. Did you realize in that moment that you were making the impact, right? Uh, you know, the sisterhoods, the men's clubs, the synagogues, did you realize in that moment as an 18 to 21 year old that, what were your what you were doing on the court was actually reflected in faith circles within the Jewish community? No, uh, I did not. I you know it, at the at the time that I can recall, you know, I was I was being me. Um, you know, I was doing what I felt was in my heart, in my gut. Um, again, I spoke at you know the JCC and gave clinics and. 
you know, the, the, the Maccabea played a huge part in that because that was, that was one of the reasons why, you know, they wanted me to, to speak. And the first question most people asked was, what's a nice Jewish girl doing at Holy Cross? And, you know, so then the story would, would be told. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think the fact that Holy Cross was so gracious in welcoming me as just a student athlete, it was who I was. And, you know, I think that credit to the community uh, was something that, um, you know, I always enjoyed. I'm still connected. Uh, I'm still very close with, with Togo, my coach, which is that unique bond between coach and player. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I still, you know, am at the school, Father Markey, who, who did the dedication. I'm going to get to the mezuzah part. No, we're going to get it at the end. <laughs> for me, um, and, and I'm still close with, with Father Markey, and, and some have passed, um, but they all had a huge impact on me. So the fact that I was able to have an impact on the school and the people around me is also um, just a, a wonderful thing to feel. So I often ask this question, which usually comes at the end, but I ask, is there faith in the world of sports? And so in the Holy Cross career, right? So let's take the Jewish community out of that. As I've been interviewing athletes and coaches and managers and owners and even fans, the answer has been an obvious yes. I just spoke with an NBA player who said 45 minutes before each game, there's a prayer service, if you wish, for both teams before they go out in separate benches. So what was, and actually speaking with Coach Matt Doherty, formerly of Notre Dame in North Carolina, and Coach Phil Martelli of St. Joe's, with priests on the bench, right? What mm -hmm. was the faith aspect within the sports world of Holy Cross? Uh, you know, interesting. Um, Togo, Togo to us was our master motivator. Mm -hmm. um, and he might have done it out of respect for me, and, and I don't know this, actually. I, I probably could ask him, but we did not have a prayer um, that was part of our, you know, put your hands in. Um, we did talk about um, the value of everything that, that who we are and what we represent. So when I, when I say that, the message was, you know, the, the three major parts of, of your life, you know, God, family, yourself, God could have been anybody's version of God. Um, so in that sense, I always, in my mind, did my prayers um, I always, I, and I, I still, you know, say my prayers and, and I, you know, I have my chains that, you know, I have, and, and that's a part of my fiber. Um, mm -hmm. each one had their own. And I think that, that again, speaks to the, the fact that we could have been whatever you wanted to, to believe and you could do that. And, and I think that I take too with my coaching. I'm a, I'm a Jewish white female, uh, and I coach in the world of basketball. And I have players who are very religious from, from um, you know, who have backgrounds uh, from Nigeria. And I have players who are from France and I get players who are from Ireland and, and, you know, players from the, um, you know, Virgin Islands. And everybody has their own individual uh, way of expressing their faith. And um, I think that's the most important thing is to allow the freedom to, to observe and to, you know, be who you, who you are, especially when it comes to religion. Mm. So you have this amazing career at Holy Cross. We're not going to go into all the details because yeah. we'll be here forever Another with all the records yeah. broken. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you take basketball as a career, right? And yeah. coaching in these uh, New England prep school at the Worcester Academy. Um, and you get into the Jewish world. We'll talk about Maccabi in a little while. But we'll go back to the mezuzah. Just recently, okay. you're now being honored in the Holy Cross, I believe, Basketball Hall of Fame. And they say, you know what? We're going to name the Players Lounge after you, number one. And please bring your rabbi and put him as a. Um, well, was it shocking? Was it? 
what went through your mind when you got that letter? So this is this is actually is a story that I do have to tell a little bit of. You sure. know, there's a progression of it. So um, a classmate of mine, uh, uh, Teddy Lynch, who is just a, a wonderful classmate, has always been involved with the school, uh, called me a couple years ago and said, you know what, this is long overdue. Uh, you still have the records. And you still, you like started, you were the cornerstone of this whole women's basketball uh, program at Holy Cross. You need to be recognized. I'm like, well, thank you. I, you know, appreciate that. Um, and so this was kind of a progression where um, I was at an event pre-COVID, um, alumni event, uh, reunion weekend, and we were honoring another classmate. And Ted gets up there in front of all my classmates and said, we're going to do this. Uh, Sherry deserves it. And um, he went through, you know, my list. I actually was inducted into the Holy Cross Hall of Fame in the first year of eligibility, oh, which wow. was in 1989. Wow. That's a long time ago, right? <laughs> so, um, so again, fast forward, and I, the, they gave me a standing ovation. And I was I was seated at the president of Holy Cross at the Times table, and he's standing, and I'm sitting there, and my friend's like, stand up, stand up. I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? So, at that, that moment, I kind of felt the, you know, the love and the fondness. Oh, my gosh. Okay. There, there's some. Pictures. I'm prepared. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the one on the left, I think, is very, very, uh, you know, indicative of kind of the, the way that I played. But so he started the wheels in motion. And then finally, you know, after COVID and, and he's like, okay, we're going to do this because guess what? You, our class gave uh, the most recognition and the most support of any class. And he said, I talked with the, you know, the alumni development and here's the date and what we would like to do. And he went through, you know, we're going to name it the Sherry Levins Women's Basketball Lounge. And um, we're going to have a dedication. And typically, uh, you know, a father will bless the space. Um, And uh, I said immediately when he said that, I said, I would love Father Markey. Uh, who was my dean of students when I was there uh, to be that person. And he's emeritus right now. He's retired on campus. And he said, well, I'll reach out to him. And then he said, and would you like to have a rabbi mm-hmm. also bless the space? And I went like, wow, um, you know what? That would be mean the world to me. And in my mind, again, I was in the Holy Cross community. I was someone who went to Holy Cross, knowing it's a Jesuit school, knowing about their teachers knowing that I was going to be in their community. So I, I never questioned like, well, what about me? And so when he said, would you like a rabbi? I was like, wow, you know what? That is really special. Yes, I have a rabbi. I love saying that I have a family rabbi. And uh, <laughs> I told Rabbi Gerber that I'm like, I have a rabbi, you know, you're my rabbi. And we um, all listen to coach. <laughs> right. And, and then he said, and would you like to have a mezuzah? Wow. And at that point, I like I got a little emotional and I was like, wow, I, I said, you know, I it never would have gone to that point. Right. Because I know what a mezuzah means. Right. Mm-hmm. In Jewish faith. Everybody knows what a mezuzah means, but no one at Holy Cross would. And so I said, you know what, especially in the times that we live in, mm-hmm. that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. So it went from, you know, we're naming this space. We're going to do the regular thing that we always do. But now we're going to. Now we're going to look at you as Sherry Levin. And not only what did I do on the court, but I guess the person that I was and how they can broaden. And I, I told, again, I, you know, for the Holy Cross community to do that, um, it was really, really unique and really, really special. 
um, so, so the day went, um, you know, Father Markey read, read a very long and, and beautiful thing of, of, of my accomplishments and what I meant to the, to the school. Uh, he blessed the space with, with holy water. Um, and then we went to the door uh, where Rabbi Gerberts did a masterful job. I was wondering, I'm like thinking after Father Markey did his thing, I'm like, okay, Rabbi, now now it's your turn. What are you going to bring? And he did just a masterful job of of explaining the meaning, right? Not just to a room of, of Jewish people, but to a room of people who knew probably nothing about the mezuzah and what it meant. He did a masterful mm-hmm. job of explaining it, what it was, what it meant. Um, I got to, to um, you know, attach it to the wall uh, where, it's, where it sits now. And there's also a, a card uh, that does explain it in yeah. just in very ecumenical, very beautiful terms so that everybody who goes in and out of that um, is probably going to say, you know, what is that? Mm-hmm. And then they're going to see the plaque. And, and not only will, you know, they see my name, but they're going to see what it, what it means. Um, I will say that that Ted was very funny when he was telling me about the mezuzah. He said, you know, can I buy one? Can I get it on Amazon? Like, where do you get one? And I said, well, you know, I can ask some friends because I didn't want to, like, buy one and give it to well, him. I was going to ask, which mezuzah did you choose? Exactly. Well, so so then the story goes, he says, and he says, we're going to have to get one that's very sturdy. Because if it, he said, like in Notre Dame, where they hit the wall. Oh, yeah. And where they <laughs> Rub the rock. He said, you got to get a sturdy mezuzah so everybody <laughs> runs out of the locker room and rubs it for good luck. Um, and as it turns out, there was uh, another Jewish student at Holy Cross who, mm. um, last name Cohen, uh, I can't remember his first name, but year be- before me, way before me. And he wrote to the school and he said, I have been holding this mezuzah wow. for some special occasion and I would like to donate it. Oh, my gosh. So he did. And it is, uh, it, it sits there and it, it is beautiful. It is. Beautiful. Well, I think it's beautiful, not just the physical aspect, but the words that are in the mezuzah are, in fact, the shared text between both faiths, which is the Shema and the yep. declaration of our faith, and also the first line, you should love your God, as you said, with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your might, which I think is a beautiful basketball and sport message. Yep. But also the other piece that I think is what you do so well in your life, and that's coaching, the Shinan Tam that you should teach your children. And that what you do on a court is not just obviously teaching a chest pass or a bounce pass or a, you know, a, a layup, but right. it's actually these lessons that these young people will take for the rest of their lives as well. Yeah. Uh, wow, that's that's amazing. Um, so you yeah, have. I, the will, most- I will say one more thing, yes. those, and those are beautiful words, Rabbi. Thank you. Um, uh, Father Markey, when he was talking, was talking about the locker room as a sanctuary, and you know, it, it makes me. Uh, Interesting that those words make me choke up because mm-hmm. um, the meaning of, of a- anybody listening to this who has been part of a team mm-hmm. and has been part of a of you know a team in a locker room and and my girls I'm always saying you know this is our place what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room this is a place where we share so many emotions good bad so much courage our journey our story and when Father Markey said, you know, this, the locker room is like a sanctuary. And uh, I truly believe that. So, um, so yes, yeah, the words that, that you, you spoke as well. Um, it's actually fascinating. Somebody else said that uh, just about yeah. eight months ago. And uh, probably somebody, you know, Coach Seth Greenberg ah, okay. on ESPN. And he said yeah. the same exact thing. And he actually said, uh, right, doesn't matter if you're Protestant, Buddhist, Jewish, mm-hmm. right? 
the yeah. locker room is our sanctuary. And we had a beautiful talk about the correlation between those two um, and why our sanctuaries have that aspect of actual sports, the participation of, you know, uh, of, of getting, of bringing people together. Mm-hmm. And then why a, a locker room also has the sacredness as well. Yeah. Yeah. So based on that sacredness and being a locker room, being a sanctuary, um, we actually read in the Torah about the Mishkan, the portable sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And basketball is portable. All you need is that ball and that hoop, and it takes people around the world. And one of those places it's taken to you, taken you to, is of course the land of Israel. Yeah. Um, so let's hear a little about the entry into Maccabi, um, how you fell in love with the land through the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, another fascinating story. I, I, my, my daughter always says I'm like a pregame speech waiting to happen. So, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I tend to believe that now. But um, so my story of, of me finding out about the Maccabee is, is actually interesting. Um, I was playing in, in Junior Olympics, which is now the AAU. But in my day, <coughs> one AAU team in all of New England. Now there's probably like 2,000. One on uh, every block. Right. And we traveled from all over. Uh, and we were playing in the one national tournament, which now there's probably, again, thousands. Um, it was in Kansas City, of all places, mm-hmm. Kansas City, Missouri. And my parents are in the stands and a woman, Estelle Goldstein, uh, comes up to my parents and says, by any chance, are you Jewish? Uh, they knew that she, that my, those were my parents. And um, they said, yes, we are. And she said, well, I don't know if you know, there's this, there's this thing called the Maccabea Games and it's a competition held every four years and they're now going to have women's basketball. Would Sherry be interested in participating? So, of course, my parents were you know, like, yeah, let's get some information. So, uh we connected with the office in Philadelphia. We had a tryout. Um, I went with my assistant coach, I remember, um, so that she could kind of see what was going on. My head coach was Teresa Grantz, who was a Hall of Famer coach from Rutgers wow. University. Uh, and our assistant was Rosemarie Battaglia, uh, who coached uh, Ann Donovan uh, at New Jersey Catholic, Oregon Catholic. Uh, two heralded coaches, not Jewish. And uh, I made the team, obviously. And we had a pre-camp. I think it was a week-long pre-camp where we had triple sessions. We stayed and we were home housed in Monmouth Community College. Uh, in Monmouth, um, we, we played at Monmouth Community College. We were housed in the Monmouth community, Jewish community. They were very wonderful people to us. And I remember because they were very religious, on Saturday we ended up taking cars and going to um, Atlantic City because you couldn't do anything and during Shabbat. So we're like, okay, what can we do? So we, you know, took a ride to Atlantic City. Um, and then we went to Israel. And uh, I remember... Was that I, your first time in Israel through sports? You had been before. You know, I had a journal. I'll, I'll tell you one of my, my favorite wow. stories. Everybody will talk about the opening ceremonies. Um, it was interesting. In 1981, we were organized in such a way that when we marched in, we were in, in very neat rows. Um, we all were organized. We went, we went around the track and, you know, very neat rows. Um, I remember walking by Menachem Begin hmm. who was sitting in the stands and, and with my camera, you know, the old cameras, I took a picture. I still have that. Um, and then, uh, you know, we sat, we were entertained. Um, we then went to, uh, accommodation centers that housed us by sport. So all the basketball teams, men and women, uh, we're at the, it was the Avia Hotel, which I don't know if it still exists. It was about 20 minutes outside Tel Aviv. And uh, I will never forget this night because, you know, I, I will say it all the time. But before I do, like the opening ceremony is the one thing in addition to Menachem Begum. There was entertainment. But to stand and to sing the Hatifa, 
mm-hmm. um, never gets old when you're with, you know, 55,000 people. Um, every time I go, there's tears in your eyes. It's just one of the most memorable, magnificent experiences. And so in 81, I, you know, I get chills thinking about it. And then every other year that I went back, um, the same thing, but, uh, the accommodation centers, again, we're all housed by sports. So you're from all different countries. So they have a Shabbat dinner for us. So we go down and everybody's sitting at their round table, Venezuela, France, um, uh, you know, Argentina, you know, Belgium, Germany, every country that had teams was all here. And of course the USA, we sat together with the, with the men's team. Um, and so we had dinner and then they brought in, you know, folk singers. And the, when the folk singers started to play, it didn't matter that you couldn't speak English. It didn't matter that you couldn't speak French. It didn't matter that you couldn't speak, you know, Spanish. That moment, everybody was up dancing around the room, arm in arm, knowing the same songs. And I I just, it was such a powerful moment to realize the strength of the diaspora, Mm -hmm. realize that I can't speak French, but this person and I say, know the same dance, know the same, you know, Hine Mato, but you know, whatever the the song, and we're dancing around the Habanagila that we all do those same prayers. And that was just a really powerful indication of the, the meaning of the Maccabea. And, you know, after that, I, I worked for the committee, uh, Bob Spivak, who was the president at the time, um, you know, offered me a job. I'm like, okay, moved to Philadelphia. Then I went back in 85 and 89 and 93. Um, and, and then now I'm coaching. So um, the experience, it's, it's part of my life. It's part of my fiber. And so what's it going to mean this year when we basically had a skip it last year? And in, I mean, you just said, realize the strength of the diaspora. Yeah. Um, that is so important right now in the Jewish world and the world at large, when we have such a divisive and polarized world, that this ball and those songs of Hine Matov and Hatikva are the one thing that can actually bring us together. So what's that going to mean this year when you're taking this new group of young women to Israel, many perhaps for the first time, after or during whatever this is now a pandemic um is that the same as your 1980s experiences or is it something completely new i would say that every one of my experiences has shared some different light um Mm -hmm. and and being in israel to me is one of the most special things that you could do (coughs) jewish person because it's it you know we live in a world in, in the united states where where you know, where if you're in a small community, if you're a small part of something, which we are, you know, one percent in the world. Um, but even even here in Newton, there's you know many many temples and synagogues, and and you know everybody does kind of does their own thing. You know, in Israel, Friday afternoon to Saturday night, the country stops basically. Like everybody goes to the the beach. What I found in in Tel Aviv and in <laughs> Jerusalem, nothing really is open. So the fact that you're part of that, where it seems so normal where it just seems that, guess what? This is part of our life. This is part of our schedule. And we will stop on Friday afternoon and we will continue on Saturday night. Um, to me, is really just a, a remarkable thing. I think the each one of my players, I think, has, has experienced something very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever degree that it is, and my job as a coach is not to tell them about my experiences, but to allow them to, to be open to accepting everything. So when we are there... I am very cognizant of making sure they understand what goes behind this. It's not just, 
hey, we're having a Bedouin dinner in the in the you know in the desert, but mm-hmm. we went to Masada. And what does that mean? And yes. you know, we're in Jerusalem and we're not just going to the shops and getting, you know, presents for everybody. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And without us carrying the positive message of why it's so important that, that we support and have Israel, um, then who will do it? And mm-hmm. and so so with that message, um, everybody's going to come away with it with something different. I will say I have had two former athletes who have married other Maccabee athletes, and they were mm. introduced in the games that we were there. So wow. there's a little bit of carrying on the, the Maccabee That's tradition. <laughs> well, it's, inter- it's interesting uh, that, you know, we're speaking about the Jewish athletes that go to Israel, and I've been blessed over these last two years uh, in hosting this podcast to often interview athletes who are not Jewish that happen to then play professionally in Israel right. as right. well. And those, you know, when we talk about the diaspora to come back, uh, what that means as well. Um, maybe you can, have you come into those athletes as well that have not Jewish, have an amazing college career and Israel is an amazing place for women's basketball right now um, to go there. Yeah, it is. I actually, um, I, I haven't had too much personal contact. I know of players uh, who mm-hmm. go there and go overseas because it is such a opportunity. Uh, Shay Derome. <coughs> Yeah, of course, from Maryland. Um, we played at Maryland, right? And I'm good friends with Brenda Fries, who's an outstanding coach at Maryland. And 2017, when I was going over, I said, you know what? I would love to connect with Shay Jerome because mm-hmm. she's back in Israel doing, you know, great things with women's basketball. And so Brenda connected us, and I brought Shay to meet our, our team. And Shay talked with, uh, you know, our athletes about, um, you know, what it meant to even be in Maryland to win a national championship, what it means to be in Israel, um, we were at the staying at the Kafar Makbiyah at the time, which is in Ramakan outside of Tel Aviv. And so she came and spoke with us. Really a, amazing kind of um, view that, that my players had. I will say that since then, six of the players that were on the 2017 had played professionally in Israel. Oh, that's amazing. So different levels. Um, right. But six, six of our players. But they chose to go there for their professions uh, and One master's at... Um, uh, uh, Hebrew University in Jerusalem, while wow. playing. Um, and uh, and like I said, five others had had played at different levels. Uh, I think I think two of them are still there. So so that to me is that extra connection. Yes, they're Jewish, uh-huh. but they got to be in Israel. They got to start their basketball career post after college uh, professionally. However long that lasts, however the experience is. And where do you find these players? Do they find you? Do you find them? I'm interesting. I, when I talked to Peter Kurtz, the general manager of the Israeli baseball team, yeah. he was basically looking for Jewish names in the majors and the minors. Yeah. Is this something that happens as well? That you know what? You don't even know what can exist, or do they say, you know what? No, I'm signing up, and there's a wait list. How does that work? You know, I, I have to say, so we had the tryouts in August. Mm-hmm. Um, we st- I can't remember when I was appointed. It was sometime last spring um, or winter. That it begins, it's a lot, so much word of mouth. And I, I do hate to say that that one thing of the Maccabee, we have always said it's it's the world's, you know, the, the best kept secret. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these these women hadn't heard about it. Um, and I, I remember reaching out to um, uh, a couple of post players uh, who are Ivy League, Gail and Princeton, and their sisters, uh, Camilla Emsbo uh, from Colorado. And their assistant coach said, oh, did you know she's Jewish? I'm like, oh, yeah. no, she's five. Let me, you know, so immediately, uh, you know, called her up. Um, uh, and unfortunately, one of the sisters uh, tore ACL, so she was <coughs> not able to make it. But um, a couple of others I had reached out to years before. Um, mm-hmm. 
they were for the younger team uh, and now are now able to make it a couple from Harvard. Um, a lot of it is the word of mouth and I'll look at rosters too. I'll, you know, mm-hmm. I send out emails to every coach I know because you know, about recruiting and um, say, Hey, if you have a Jewish player, um, a couple of names that I thought were like, Oh my God, this kid's in Indiana and she's, you know, it's a Jewish name. And I reach out to the coach like, no, sorry, <laughs> you know, not Jewish. I'm like, okay. Um, so in that sense, it's, it's trying to get the word out. It's connecting mm-hmm. with, with uh, coaches, with, with people um, within AAU. Uh, mm-hmm. Now that I'm coaching the open, it's all about the, the collegiate players. We're trying to get the, the most talented player uh, that we can. And what would be your message to people in my own community in Los Angeles and any community of, let's say, you know, young female athletes who are right. fifth, sixth grade, right? Saying yep. like, you can do this. Um, what's the path towards getting there that we can yep. get them to coach 11? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, so the logistical part, I would say go on to, you know, MaccabiUSA.com because it's not only the world games, but we have the, uh, the South American, which I coached in Brazil, um, which was amazing. Uh, the European games, which I coached in 2019, again, pre-COVID, which was one of the best, most wonderful teams that I've ever coached. And we had four Shomer Shabbos girls, um, which, you know, I admired the, um, the other, you know, players who, I mean, how often do you play with, with Shomer Shabbos girls and mm-hmm. yet together, you know, if we couldn't go to a restaurant, they're like, well, we're not going here. We'll find one that's kosher. And we'd walk two miles in, in Budapest to get to the Jewish section to go to well, the Tamir Goodman model. Tamir is a good friend of this show as well. So yeah. absolutely. So, and I think so, he set the bar high for allowing faith and sports to be together at the highest yes. level. Yeah. So, you know, so, so that, that we did. And um, so for young kids, I'd say there's many, many opportunities um, as long as you know about it. Mm-hmm. And the hardest part is knowing about it. So Maccabi USA has calendar. When are the, when's the next European games? When's the next, um, you know, South American game, Pan American games, uh, junior programs. There's many junior programs as well. And as far as basketball, I'd say continue to work hard, you know, go mm-hmm. to camps. Um, play AU and work on your individual skills and, and make sure that you're playing for a coach who respects you, mm-hmm. who is a teacher, uh, and who is who wants to, you know, help you become the best version of yourself. So what I think I heard you said was go to Sinai Temple basketball camp this summer. Is that correct? Yes, I did okay, say that. Absolutely. Actually, you know, we started a camp in 2014 specifically for that. We knew that our children were at all different local camps. Mm-hmm. But we call it high-level basketball, high-level values. Right. That, you know, when we have a camp, we also have a social action project. We're working with a special needs community. We're helping a homeless that. food drive, and what they do on the court can really have that impact off the court. That. Yeah, we can talk. We can talk. You can, I, you know, maybe if I can, I don't know when it is. If it's in July, uh, I'll be in Israel. Actually, but... we're doing five weeks this summer, so. Uh, okay, and then maybe we... time. I, I'd love to come out and. That and would be amazing. Yeah. Um, I want to bring the faith aspect a little off the court in terms of challenges. Um, you, obviously, you know, a challenge on the court is. You have four fouls and you're going to foul out. You're going to draw a charge, rebounding, et cetera. Yep. But these lessons really go off the court. And I know you yourself have gone through some difficult challenges. I know being a cancer survivor. Yep. Um, have those lessons on the court in terms of faith translated all through that journey that you've able to um, either gain strength or form a community that allows you to keep going day by day? Uh, yeah, great question. Um and an interesting one, uh, mm-hmm. because I, I'd say that it all connects. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a connection to to I think everything that that you do, um, everything that that one is is based in one's essence. 
um, when I was was diagnosed with with breast cancer in 2014, um, and I had to determine the course of action. Uh, so I sat with my oncologist, and and I brought a friend with me, Marianne Carmel, who's a dear friend, and she was a note taker um, because you know when you're going through it, everything kind of is is like this, and and so you need somebody to be with you to kind of take notes. And um, we were we were going through every different. You know, possibility based on my individual uh, case. And I'll never forget my oncologist said, you know, cause I was like, well, what do you think? And he said, well, I, here's the facts and you have to decide. And I'm like, but you're the professional. What am I, you know? And he said, let me give you a story. And he said, if my mother-in-law and my mother were diagnosed with the exact same thing, they would both choose different courses of action because mm-hmm. based on their personality. Mm-hmm. And that, like at that moment, it said, "Okay, you know what? I am, I am going, I am going for the most, um, you know, if you will, you know, chemo uh, and radiation, which would give me the best chance for long-term survival." So the immediate discomfort, the immediate horrificness of it, and I will say it was really, it was horrific um, to get through, you know, seven months of that with the long term was in my personality. So my personality was I will do everything I possibly can despite having the hardships. And I think mm-hmm. that that part of what basketball meant uh, is not always dealing with hardships, but it's dealing with resilience. It's dealing with failure. It's dealing with, um, uh, you know, you need your teammates. It's dealing with all those kind of things. Never give up mentality, which, you know, I have a never give up mentality. And that partly came from, from athletics. And I, and I, <laughs> little bit of an anecdote. Um, you know, I wasn't someone who shared readily when I was going through it. Um, in hindsight, that probably, and I worked through every day. Um, and I, in hindsight, like what I would tell somebody now is don't, um, I, I would, t- I would tell somebody that's, it's not, no, you, you gotta kind of take a step back, but in pushing through it, there was one of the, maybe the, after the second chemo and, and I was just like, I can't do another one. I just you know, mm-hmm. I can't do it. And my daughter, who was my rock through this whole thing, Marsha Zimmerman, my daughter. And she said to me, mom, you can do this. You uh-huh. don't give up. I know you can do this. And like, I was hearing my, I was hearing myself and I was hearing pregame and I was hearing all the stuff that she was now telling me in a moment that I needed to to hear that more than anything. Wow. Um, so that was, that was your bringing that. And of course, prayer, I, you know, I, I pray, you know, what, you know, I, I, I say my prayers, my personal prayers. Um, you know, we, we, we kind of love the Shahakianu. Um, and, you know, we say that, say that, you know, when needed. Um, uh, and, and you know, there's somebody in our community that always says, and I'm going to shout out to Roz Goldstein. Uh, okay. She's amazing. And she always says, I never miss a moment to say Shahianu. In fact, she creates moments to say it. And it, I think yep. it's a beautiful blessing and a beautiful, a beautiful moment. It is a beautiful It's a little long to say in a 30-second timeout, but a full timeout, it's been much easier. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So in that sense, um, you know, people ask me too, like, oh, your brother, what did you learn? Like, how did it change you is, is the mm-hmm. question I always hear about, um, you know, being a breast cancer survivor. And I will say that in addition to, to what I just said, it, you know, it, it really brings out who you are and, and your essence. But I also learned who around me is truly around me to support. Mm. And you learn that. Um, you know, family, friends, you learn who's going to stick by you um, when in need. 
um, those moments of, you know, if anybody knows that someone out there going through, you know, hardship, like uh, cancer, a meal, you know, it wasn't actually, you know, it wasn't a meal for me. It was right. thinking about how am I going to feed my daughter? Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. it, was, it was taking that away. Um, and so, you know, relying on, on family and friends. <laughs> and then the third one is, you know, things go by now, like something that might've really got to me six, seven years ago. What am I now? Six, seven, six years out. Um, now I let roll, hmm. you know, it doesn't, but what, what big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Big mm-hmm. Deal. Um, and you move on. So you really get that. I hate to say that it brings that sense of priority and what's really important in life. Someone asked one last faith question, um, yeah. and that's about the shamash, uh, the candle that we light uh, to the helper candle for all the Hanukkah mm-hmm. lights. And I read a beautiful story that uh, you used that story in the huddle once um, to a group of athletes who were not Jewish. Yeah. Um, what was your reaction when they said, let's be a shamash? And why did you decide to bring that to the huddle? And what was the effect of that? Yeah. So, so Andrew, it wasn't the huddle. So it was my pregame. Oh, nice. So, so every, every day, and I, and I do hope, that when you when you talk to my former players and and you know current players, that they will say one of the things that they enjoy most um, is as I do put a lot of time and thought into my pregame speeches. As I said, my daughter thought I was a pregame speech waiting to happen because we'll be driving along and I'll see something and it will hit me in such a way I'll go, oh, that's that could be a pregame speech. I love that. So, um, it happened to be Hanukkah time. It was this past December, and. Oh. Um, my team this year is very talented, a lot of great players playing together for the first time. And our kind of our, our challenge, and we're, we're working on it, and we're making great progress as we hit like our final five games, um, is that they all are self-focused. They're not selfish, they're self-focused. So each one has their own goal. And it's, it's not just to you know win games, but if they have an open shot, someone wants to take it as opposed to making a good shot, a great shot. So you know, we're working on that daily. And so I walk in, I thought, you know what, the shamas, the, the meaning of it is that many meanings, but you probably know more the academic version, but in my, my lay version is, you know, the, the one candle does not lose any of its own light by lighting the rest. And it's the leader. And so it was a perfect fitting example. And I, and I said, and that, you know, they all know I'm, I'm Jewish and uh, I actually do not have a, another Jewish player on the team. A couple of years ago, I did, um, but this year I did it, and I explained, you know, what it means and the meaning of it, and then I turned it into basketball terms, which is that you can all have your moment, but if you're willing to share the moment and willing to give up your shot for a better one, we will have more success as a team. That is amazing. So that's how that's how it resonated. That's how it, it, it came to be. Oh, yeah, I can make a pregame speech out of many, many things. <laughs> Has everybody changed the name on their jersey to Shamash, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, we have no, see that we have no names on our back. Oh. Only the front, right? <laughs> that's amazing. No, I, I love what you, I, the, the pregame speech, I think, is so important because, you know, a lot of what we do is not about the moment. It's how you, I mean, I always hear from coaches and athletes. It's not about how you play. It's how you, it's how you practice. Right. And you're going to play the way you practice. And I think the same thing is actually true in faith. Um, I had uh, Arnie Kander, who was the uh, trainer of the Detroit Pistons during their their heyday. Um, he explained exactly that what he does training the Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Thomas, Bill and Beer, et cetera, mm-hmm. was the same thing that he does in his prayer life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, often people are looking for a Yom Kippur home run. Right. But I think actually they have to focus on the shamash. I, I love that, that that light will that candle will not lose anything by actually helping the other. 
Yeah. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful lesson. So on that note, to conclude, I want to hear a little bit about Gen W, about what you do off the court, because I also think that is about faith and belief and raising yeah. young women up in uh, today's society. So yeah. off the court, you're a professional at Gen W and production. So what does that look like and how does faith fit in there? Yeah, so a little bit of a, a nutshell, what, what is Generation W? Um, it, it's an organization that we educate, inspire, and connect women and teens. Uh, we do it through a number of different events, um, which, you know, you'd say, how did you do that in COVID? We did virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, <coughs> we have a, a large gathering for women coming up April 1st, if you're interested, with some amazing speakers. The theme is connection, which, right. um, you know, there's a theme always. We are now in our 11th year. Uh, Donna Orinder, who is the former president of the WNBA. Um, is the, the founder of Generation W. And not only do we have like that event, but we have a weekly uh, series called Refresh um, wow. where we have interviews. Um, and, and, the, and then we have for teens, which you mentioned is we connect uh, teens with mentors. And we mm. have amazing speakers um, that really wants to show teens um, of all walks, but certainly underserved, that anything is possible. Um, we have a book called Wisdom, which is a compilation of letters written to my younger and future self, which is an amazing book. Um, and again, the the impact that you can have in making a difference in the world uh, is is so important. And not only in, in Generation W, but one of the reasons why I coach is um, I really do want to make a difference. And mm-hmm. and I, my experiences, and you know, I, I joke with the team. I'm like, you know, I'm seasoned. I'm not old. But, you know, being a, a seasoned person uh, in the world of coaching means, like, I have a lot of stories. I have a lot of experience that can somehow reach one of my players to be help them be the best version that they can be. And um, that's why I coach. I get, I get a passion for that and making a difference and sharing in the blessings that I have had um, and the, the blessings that I've had to meet amazing people throughout my career. Coach Sherry Levin from Holy Cross, from the USA Maccabi women's basketball team, from Generation W. You have just taken us on an unbelievable journey of faith through sports, of sports through faith, of just uplifting uh, us. And we are so grateful for your time. We're looking forward to following you in the uh, Maccabi Games this summer in the land of Israel. And uh, we hope that you'll visit us here in Los Angeles for uh, Sinai Temple's basketball camp and really... uh, working together in the world of sports and faith. Thank you so much for having or for joining us. And this is Aaron Rabbi Aaron Sherman and Rabbi on the Sidelines. Have a great week. 